Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode is brought to you by the new Squarespace. Squarespace introduces a new content management system, making it faster and easier to create a high-quality website or blog, plus mobile responsive designs with automatic device scaling and more than 50 other new features. For a free trial and 10% off your first purchase on new accounts, go to squarespace.com slash twip and use the offer code twip9. This week on TWIP, Smug Mug doubles its pro pricing, focus peaking, making its way into more cameras, and an interview with Smug Mug's president and co-founder, Chris McCaskill, a.k.a. Baldy. It's Wednesday, September 4th, 2012, and this is TWIP. Welcome back to TWIP. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Joining me on this week's show to discuss a variety of topics. Actually, we're going to focus on one big topic this week. Um, but the guys that are joining me are Mr. Doug Kay, Ron Brinkman, and Dave Dugdale. How you guys doing? Hello, hello. Good. Terrific. All right. Uh, so we know we were talking before I clicked the record button about what we're going to focus on. And it is what's on a lot of people's minds, at least the people that are using Smug Mug as their gallery slash fulfillment proofing service, they doubled their pricing over the Labor Day weekend. This is past weekend. So we're going to talk about that as well as today, just to round out the show, being a, you know, a smug muggish kind of show, I interviewed uh, Chris McCaskill, who's the president and co-founder of Smug Mug. And we had a nice yeah. long conversation about, you know, basically... The what's, the why's, the why over Labor Day weekend, you know, are you cutting out the little guy? Do you care about the little guy? What is going on? So he um, he laid it all out, you know, in, in very clear terms, why they did it and what their mindset was and what their goals are, you know, to the extent that he could share, you know, what's coming up for Smug Mug. So it's a very interesting interview if you are at all involved with Smug Mug. So definitely check that out. So before we get started, let's do a quick check in with you guys to see what you've been up to, Mr. Dave Dugdale. You haven't been on the show in quite a while. What's been going on in the world of DSLR video? Uh, I've been comparing the Canon T4i to the 60D since when I first looked at them uh, about a month ago when I first got them in. They were only $10 difference. And I've got a lot of people asking about that. So I'm almost done with that review. In fact, I just shipped the cameras back today. So that's that one been kind of keep me a little busy. Now, is that going to be a video review on your site? Yeah, I should have it up in a week or so. Nice, nice. How long does it take you generally to do those from the time you crack open the package from the manufacturer to the time you seal it back up and drop it back in the mail? Well, um, the company I do, uh, there's reviews with uh, B&H Photo. They, they give it to me for 30 days. So, you know, okay. I'll shoot here a little bit here and there. And then what's happened is over time, you know, I, I, I always try to improve my videos a little bit more. Um and like the last one I did when I was comparing the Canon uh, 5D Mark III to the D800, it's been watched like a quarter of a million times already. So I tried to up my value just Wait, a little Wait, did you bit. say it's been watched a quarter of a million times? Yeah. I love how it just rolls off your tongue. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think there's a certain level of expectation. So I always want to do the next one just a little bit better. So they, they do take some time to do. 
Very cool. All right. Well, welcome back to the show, man. It's good to have you. Yeah, thanks. Also, that other voice you may have heard back there is Mr. Doug K. Hey, Doug. How, what's going hey, on? Uh, uh, well, let's see. I've been... Uh, see, last weekend I went... I did a photo workshop with Derek Story, our good friend Derek, up on the Sonoma Coast. Nice, yeah. Uh, I have... Uh, I've just sent my brand new Nikon D800E back to Nikon for repairs. What did well, you do I, to it? I didn't do anything, but it, it suffers from the autofocus problem that uh, other people have also reported, uh, which I've done a thorough write-up of on my blog. Oh, I definitely curious. want to read that because I'm, I'm literally on the – like my, the trigger finger is about to push the button, the buy now button on that camera. So – if I should yeah. wait, I'm gonna I'm gonna read that well, article. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, it looks. I mean, almost everybody I know who has an 800 or an 800D has this problem. Uh, Nikon, when you talk to them, I called the service center and they said, "Yeah, we know about it. Send it in." And um, so we'll see. I mean, mm. it, it supposedly is fairly easy for them to repair, but it's uh, unfortunate I'm without it probably for a couple of weeks. I was going to ask you that. So that's the that's the duration that you'd be without it. I'm, I'm guessing. You know, I sent a that lens sucks. back. I sent a lens back in the spring, and I was without it for two months. So you should charge we'll them your your uh, borrow lenses camera rental fee. Yeah, like that's going to work, right? Send <laughs> <laughs> them a bill. You know, it, it could have hurt. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and Mr. Ron Brinkman is also on the show. Hey, Ron, what's going on with you? Yet again. Well, for the third week in a row. So I know, I, I know. Have, We're loving uh, the Ron Brinkman. Don't have a whole lot of news since then, you know. <laughs> nothing new in the last six days? Come on, uh, man. Nothing, absolutely nothing. We had a long <laughs> holiday. I ran out to Catalina Island for a couple of days, which is a nice little island offshore of uh, Los Angeles. You can take a boat out there in about an hour, and it's kind of a nice little sleepy island kind of experience and uh, that's about the extent of it did you go out there by yourself ron you did not go no no i went out there with my girlfriend okay all right good because that would have been kind of lame that would have been kind of lame i'm going up to catalina uh you know we we were hoping to do a little bit of snorkeling or even some diving but there was a a swell that came in and uh stirred everything up so we just did some bike riding around the island and um Rented kayaks and took that out into the water a little bit. But the life of Ron Brinkman, man. Jeez, I love it. It's a nice it. little getaway. Well, <laughs> is such a close, quick little trip for Angelinos. It's, you know. Yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like us here in the Bay Area heading over to Napa or something like uh, that. Exactly. That's exactly yeah. what it's like. Without the ocean in the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> All right, guys, before we continue and jump into the main meat of the show, I want to let folks know about. So I've been, been talking about our relationship with Creative Live over the past couple of weeks, which we still love those guys a whole lot. And um, But this week, we have another relationship that I want to talk about, and that's with Brooks Institute of Photography. Maybe you've heard of them. They're a, uh, a photography school, one of the nation's best down in the Santa Barbara area. So we're working with them to help get the word out about their workshops as well. So they've got two weekend workshops in October coming up, both located at the Santa Barbara campus, and they'll be taught by Helene Glassman, a Brooks graduate, and also Jim DiVitale. So they're going to be talking about, I think the first one's on exploring Adobe Photoshop, and that's October 13th and 14th, and it's an all-skill level class. So if you're in that area or you know a fan of either one of those photographers or just care about Photoshop, you can head over there and check that out. Um, they're going to talk about workflow basically all the way through. And then there's another week work in workshop coming up October 20th and 21st. In that workshop, they're going to learn about, you're going to learn about, you know, taking inspiration and taking it to from, basically from the, the synapse idea in your head all the way through to executing on that image post-production, 
you know, from the from beginning all the way from the idea all the way to the printed image. So really cool stuff. They are giving us a coupon code for discounts, deep discounts on the, both of those workshops, which are cryptic. And I'm not going to tell you about them here, but in the blog post for this episode, I'll put all the dates and all that stuff in there and uh, along with the coupon code. So if you're interested in going, definitely check both of these out. They will, uh, if you care about photography, which I assume a couple of our listeners do, they're actually pretty cool. And also still in the Creative Live stuff, I know Doug's going to talk about that a little later, but Creative Live continues to impress. I think they up the ante with every every workshop they do on the Creative Live side because I've, you know, I watch the, Sue, I think Sue Bryce was the first one I watched and I did the interview with Sue Bryce as well. And then I watched another one with Sue Bryce where she went through the whole makeup and you know, first half was all makeup and all that stuff, which, you know, I don't care about that much. And then the second half was <laughs> photography, but you know, just watching to see, I think the makeup piece, if you go watch that, the watching how makeup artists deal and work with the models is highly valuable for photographers wanting to know how to ask a makeup artist to give you a certain look, you know? So you know, just to learn the vernacular of the makeup artist and how to communicate what you want to them is uh, it's, really important. So definitely go over there and check that out. They're at creativelive.com and the Brooks um, workshops will link over to them from the, uh, from the blog post. So definitely check those guys out. All right, guys, first up this uh, story that we're going to concentrate in this episode is about smug mug. So over the Labor Day weekend, this long weekend that we just went through um, at the beginning of it, I think at the end of the day on Friday, it was, if I'm not mistaken, they sent out an email to all the subscribers essentially saying that they were increasing their fees. So, And by increasing, I mean doubling. So they went from, let me see if I can find my notes here. So they went from, so new subscribers, new customers went, uh, or actually new customers, this is a new level, are going to be charged $300 a year. The, I believe, and Chris is going to correct me in the interview when you listen to it, but the $150 level went to 250 um, and the people that joined before 2005 are at a hundred dollar level. They're now at 200. So uh, essentially, oh, and there's a new low, a new level for pros. That's $150 a year with limited commerce functionality. So essentially they just doubled everything, you know? Um, so the question, the question is, that's been kind of buzzing around their forums and on Facebook and on Google plus and all over the place is, Seriously? Why, why why double your prices and you know if you were going to go up why not ramp up incrementally? Weren't there other throttles that you could move or levers to if you, if you were, you know, if you're paying a lot in hard disk space, can you cap certain people and maybe charge people that use more more money? So things like that. So I wanted to put it to this audience, or not to this audience, but to this this um, panel here, you guys. You've seen this news. You know about this. Ron Brinkman, first up. <laughs> I know Ron's sitting on the edge of his chair. So this price increase, a lot. I'm going to do both sides of the coin. On the, left, on the left side of the coin, people are saying, okay, foul. You guys are just greedy. You're trying to make a lot of money. You know, come on. You know, and then on the other side, people are saying, Smug Mug is worth it at any price. They've got customer service that's beyond reproach. They've got a world-class product. And where else are you going to go? So where do you <laughs> fall in that rainbow? Well, it sure feels like it's another Netflix kind of a scenario where we're just so kind of blind to what the reaction would be 
uh that you know and just i mean i don't know it just feels like it's so it's such a bad way to do it this you know we're just gonna announce it it's gonna happen like what would you have preferred i i think i mean i don't know do do these go into these pricing go into effect right away or is it you know something that you could warn them about a little bit ahead of time take some feedback it's not it's not like overnight it's not it's it's not I, i think it comes up at the next renewal cycle yeah so yeah I don't know. I mean, I, I, I guess you look on paper at what he did, and he put out a sort of a, a video describing the reasons for it and everything like that. But it just smells funny, I guess. And and I and I think in today's world, where the cost of all this stuff is decreasing, no matter what they claim, you know, the cost to store stuff is just going down and down and down. I, it's hard to justify it, other than it's trying to make more money. And you know, nothing wrong. But with what's that. wrong with that? But, you know, they're they're a business. They're a for-profit public, or not public, a private company, right? Yeah, so, I, I think maybe it's just you know, do you have to do it all at once? Can you kind of creep it up a little bit? Can you treat your existing customers with even more? You know, even they 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 use the word grandfather, but they still raised those people by sixty-seven percent. So. I don't know. It just feels a little tone deaf. I guess is the is the point. And I think, and and I mean, I think by definition it is because a lot of people were very upset about it. Yeah, yeah. Doug, what, what about you? Are you a SmugMug user? Yeah, DougK.com, My portfolio site's on SmugMug. And is uh, it gonna is it gonna stay on SmugMug? Uh, for now, because I've prepaid two years in advance. So, oh, so I'm, this doesn't even bother you then? That's well, <laughs> at I'm least not for another twenty four months. Right? Yeah, it doesn't bother me personally, but I'm I was surprised when it happened. Uh, well, I'm a, I've got another year to go on that two years, but, uh, but you I might think, get a two hundred dollar bill in the mail though. What do you yeah, think? exactly. Well, I put it this way: I went onto my Google Calendar, and one month before the expiration, I put a reminder to myself, like, "Hey, Doug, your Smug Mug account's about to renew." Yeah, yeah. I mean, but in that time, you know, as as Baldy said, Baldy is Chris McCaskill. It's his his nickname on Twitter. Uh, as he said, um, they're planning on rolling out features now. Uh, Dave, I want to throw this next piece to you. So, what he, you know, a lot of people online were pointing out in Chris's video that he released when he was explaining this price increase. He said, "We're increasing now because of infrastructure costs and all that stuff, and we haven't increased in a while. So this is this is time, yada yada, you know that that sort of thing." But and he said that there's all these cool features coming in the future that you know you pay now and you're going to see all this cool stuff coming up which is you know which is awesome I'm glad to hear that but what I what I want to hear and I actually asked him this in the interview that you'll hear after this but I said I drew the analogy that someone else drew online was like what if Apple came out with an iPhone that can only make calls and then said yeah it's 600 bucks but just wait we're going to be adding some features later so you're paying for those features you don't have yet now, how do you, where do you fall on that? You know, is Dave is it is that the right thing to do, or could they have yeah, done things differently? I, I think it's yeah. I would. It smells funny too. I think what from what Ron was saying. Um, you know, when I watched his video explain it, you know, he seemed genuinely hurt that he had to raise uh, prices. And you know, when I watched the video, I really felt for him. But yeah. then after a while, I kind of was thinking about it. You know, I got to think that. You know, they're all probably sitting around the boardroom thinking, well, if we double our prices, what's going to happen? Are we going to lose 10? Are we going to lose 15% of our customers? I mean, what is it? You know, it's mm-hmm. like one of those things where let's just pull the Band-Aid off really fast and see what happens and um, instead of doing it incrementally over the years. And I think, you know, he probably generally 
didn't want to, um, he was genuine that he didn't want to raise prices. But on the flip side, I started thinking about it. You know, I've, I've been hosting websites for the last 10 years and I've dealt with pretty small companies, probably the same size, maybe even smaller because he kind of talked about the number of employees that he had mm-hmm. um, in the video. And over 10 years, my hosting has never gone up and they've always every year or two always increased the storage, always increased the bandwidth, always increased the service. Um, so you, I, I think a lot of people have this mentality like I do. It's like if it's an Internet type of company, once you set your price, you pretty much have to stay there. It's kind of a Netflix type thing. Yeah. And I think, you know, maybe in a couple of years from now, we'll know if they back their price down because all of a sudden they, they thought they're going to lose 10 percent, but they end up losing 50 percent of their customers. Um, and if that's the case, I think, you know, then they made the wrong choice. But um, one question I wanted to because I'm not I've looked at their service many times over the years. Um, I'm more of a Flickr user and I don't print or anything like that. And I don't sell my stuff. I usually put all my stuff under creative commons and just give it away. Mm-hmm. Um, what are a lot of people like starring their raw images or their like final JPEG images? JPEGs. It, JPEGs. Yeah. Because it looked like when I was reading uh, on their website, it almost seemed like it was your backup. It's like to me when you say backup, I'm thinking people are stalling the raw images as well. Yeah, no, no, no services to my knowledge. Uh, these services like this allow you to put raw files up there. It's always the the JPEGs, the final JPEGs. So if you, yeah, I mean, just how much space can that be? I just, I, I just don't buy the space saving argument because I mean, I, you know, I use for my just regular backup. I use a service called Backblaze that I know mm-hmm. I've talked about before, mm-hmm. and I pay fifty dollars a year for that. And I've got over a terabyte backed up in there. I've got all my raw files backed up there. And I've I mean, the I understand it's yeah, you know, I understand it's not the same service. They don't have the framework for displaying it and serving websites and web pages up and all that kind of stuff. But I just don't buy the storage size of it. And I, and I know Backblaze actually builds their own storage racks and stuff. They're not built on top of Amazon. But I, you know, we would have heard of Amazon prices that have, have gone up. So I don't think that's the case. So it just sounds to me like. You know, for whatever reason he has for doing this, the one that he's claiming of it being storage costs going up just doesn't smell right. Yeah. Uh, so what? What, Doug? I thought this to you. What? What would be a feature set that would make you feel okay with paying two hundred fifty bucks a year or three hundred bucks? Well, let, let me say one thing first, which is, uh, I think the problem is if you look at their pricing, there's a gap in the middle. If you're if you're a photographer who doesn't sell images, uh, Smug Mug remains a pretty good deal for the features they offer. If you're a photographer who wants to sell images through the site um, and you do a lot, you know, you're, I mean, you don't have to be Thomas Hawk or Trey Radcliffe, but if you're, you know, if you're doing a reasonable volume of business, $300 a year for this is not a big deal. Uh, and the, of course, their, their selling point is that they take a smaller percentage of sales than almost anybody else. So that's their, that's their selling point. But the problem is the scalability of that. So if you're somebody like me that's just going to sell, you know, a few thousand dollars of prints a year, um, 300 bucks a year is a fairly big hit for that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what they're basically doing is, is, is saying we're, we're going to, uh, you know, it's like we're going to charge all the poor people and the rich people get low taxes. That's exactly what I said in the interview. And they, <laughs> you know? You know, I, I said that. I said, you're, you know, is this a case of you 
you know, uh, I forget how I put it, but subsidizing the rich with on the backs of the poor, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, and the, as you'll hear in an interview, he was, you know, Chris was taken aback by that. And he said they, they toiled a lot over this. And that's, you know, he said, it, I think the words that he used was it hurts their heart that, you know, that they that there's a sort of bifurcation going on in the space. But what's the what's the alternative? And you know, a lot of a lot of this is, you know, you kind of alluded to this earlier, Doug, was you know, or maybe with you, Dave, you know, when you, when these companies make these pricing moves, yeah, I'm sure there's this master spreadsheet that they're looking at and they're factoring in attrition, you know, and how much, mm-hmm. how much attrition can they stand, you know, while the storm is blowing over and can they bring in new customers fast enough at this new price to offset the loss of the, you know, the old timers that have been there and are disgruntled about the price increase. So he's, I don't know, Dave, do you think, you think it's a case or, you know, or Ron, whatever, you know, what do you think? Is is a case of that? And, you know, it's okay with losing some of these folks? Well, sure. Certainly that's, they are factoring that in. I mean, they know they're going to have to lose people when you raise prices. And, and I'm sure, yeah, somebody did a spreadsheet and said, well, if you double prices, are we going to lose 50% of our user base? And, and they're just hoping that the answer is no. And, you know, like Doug said, it's time will tell. It's not going to, they're not going to know until uh, renewals start coming in, whether that's the case or not. Yeah. There's another theory you might think of. You know, on Flickr, how people just upload just about everything and they don't really care. Maybe they're more on the amateur side. Mm-hmm. And then you get more of the professionals that are very selective on what they upload. Mm-hmm. Perhaps maybe they're like looking at it and saying, man, all our amateurs, they're uploading a ton and the pros are uploading very little. So maybe if we raise the prices, we'll get rid of the amateurs. But then if, if that was the case, then they could have used that as a throttle and said, okay, well, if you, you know, by using the disk space model, you pay a certain amount to get a certain number of terabytes or gigabytes of storage and pros are going to pay this much and you could increment up that way. It would make sense if you, if you went over, a certain level. It's like me and my email hosting. I brought this up in the interview too. Me and my email um, service provider, there's a company called Aweber that I use. And if I go over a certain level of subscribers on my email list, even by one, it moves me up to the next tier, which is exponentially higher than the tier below me. Right? So in a lot of ways, it's, well, actually it's very clear that the people that don't want to be on my list are doing me a favor by unsubscribing from the list because if they don't want to hear what I have to say, they're costing me money to be on the list anyway. So I, what's the analogy for smug mug is if they had done that, then, you know, the people that are using a, you know, a truckload of hard disk space, if they over, if they go over one kilobyte over their allotted space, then they get bumped up to the next year, right? So I don't know. That's but then you know the whole thing. All this whole conversation is just you know we're being ar- armchair quarterbacks and we don't know what's going on inside. So yeah, we, and, it, and it's true. I mean, and obviously these guys have been in business for a while and they're not stupid and they understand what the the trade offs are, are for this kind of thing. And you know, I don't I don't know if they're I assume they're not a public company, but I no. you know they they may have investors that are just saying you know what we. We feel that this needs to be more profitable, or we're looking for profitability here. So I'm sure there's more reasons for it. You just sort of wish that I don't know. It just sounds like the main excuse they're giving of storage space having gone up is not the the real reason. I think the the big problem they're going to face is that until now they've sort of been the darling company for photographers. You know, everybody 
who had anything to say about Smug Mug had something good to say about Smug Mug. Mm-hmm. And that has already changed just by this announcement. So uh, whereas it was, you know, don't even think about hosting anywhere else. Now that question is one that's a legitimate one to ask. And I think that's that's a big change that you can't do in a spreadsheet. So so let's, let's ride that horse. So what what are the alternatives? Are Is there an alternative to Smug Mug or are they the... You know the the operating system for the working photographer. Well, I mean, there, there's certainly an alternative if you don't want to sell prints. There, you can put them anywhere. You can go to 500 Pix. You can go to Flickr. Whatever. But if you want to sell prints, you, though, well, really? in my in my case, I'd like to shift towards doing my own fulfillment because I don't sell a lot, uh, and I'd rather do my own printing. I don't like their labs that much. I'd rather do my own printing and send signed prints out. Hmm. So I can, you know, I can do it on a WordPress blog. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that's that's a free almost solution because you can get a you get a beautiful looking WordPress theme for what a couple under a hundred bucks, right? Right. I've already got one. <laughs> I, got the, I got I got that done, that part done. So and I you know I one of the things that drives me crazy is that you know my images are cropped to odd ratios. Mm-hmm. They're, they're whatever's right for the image. Well, when you go to Smugbug, you know you got to get an eight by ten or you know, uh, a 16 by 20, and the user, the, the the buyer, has to go in and decide how to crop the image to fit the paper that they want, yeah. and uh, that's really bizarre to me. I have a problem with that. So, I'm I'm looking forward to actually getting away from that. So, one of the things that that I went down this list um, that was culled from the forums, um, uh, from the Smug Mug forums of what new features people want, and one of them was self fulfillment. You know, being yeah. able to do the commerce through smug mug and the gallery and all that stuff and then have it just kick it over to you and say hey you know you got 200 bucks in your account and they want this thing and then you're responsible for the printing and fulfillment and delivery i'd love, and I'd love to see that yeah yeah well he said it's coming so i mean so ron brinkman you know actually no dave dugdale what you know you said you're not on the pro side of things do you know of any other sort of services that you know if if you were using smug mug that you might move over to Gosh, you know, I don't do any printing, but if you were just to be pulling images to your website, I mean, can't you just use Flickr and, you know, use, you know, pull the images that way onto your site just for display? I, I don't know. Yeah, um, but they see this, this crowd, the crowd that's, that, that is paying money, subscription money, like in the hundreds of dollars a year for this, they're not the Flickr crowd. They're, I mean, these are the people that are, they're sports photographers, they're wedding photographers, they're, they're going out and they're, they're capturing the images, they're running them through Lightroom, doing the processing, and they're kicking up a gallery and telling the bridegroom, whoever, customer, that, hey, here's, here's, you know, 100, 200, 300 images that I captured, go in there, make your selections. From those selections, I'm going to generate your products, you know, and, and if you want, you can order prints. So it's that flow. Now, you can order prints from, from Flickr, but it's not designed for that level of, of professionalism and customer service and just sort of back-endedness that services like SmugMug are designed for. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, if you're interested, I ran some numbers um, because I'm a Vimeo, I'm more of a video guy, and I've been using Vimeo for the last, I don't know, six years. Yeah, and yeah. I've been, they pay them 60 bucks a year, and the price has never gone up. And I know it's owned by a larger company, and it sounds like SmugMug isn't, but they offer five gigabyte per week. And I, and I started running the numbers. I was just kind of curious. Um, I've got over 400 videos on, on Vimeo, and I added them all up. And it's 35 gig of videos over the last six years. Mm. And then I started looking, you know, just storage wise. 
And then on Flickr, I've got over 2,000 photos. And this one was kind of harder to um, figure out what my average size was. But uh, I figured maybe eight, 8 meg per file. Because um, then they store it in many different formats, obviously. But that comes out to 16 gig. And I was kind of surprised, actually, how much, you know, 16 gig of photos on Flickr versus 35 gig on Vimeo. It w- I was expecting it, you know, that difference to be much greater. I thought I would have a lot more information on Vimeo yeah. data-wise, storage-wise, than in Flickr. You know what I'd be interested to hear? Because at the beginning you were saying that the one video that you did got a quarter of a million views. Yeah, that's so <laughs> multiply those views by the disk space used for that. I wonder how much bandwidth you, you, you're you soaking up from that's those true. guys. Well, they must that, hate you. <laughs> well, that was on YouTube. Um, oh, okay. okay, okay. My, my Vimeo... Um, uh, videos get watched maybe a thousand times a day. So yeah, I don't know. You could probably figure it out from there. But yeah, uh, again, they're a larger company and it's not really apples to apples. But I'm not, I don't know if I'm buying the, the storage argument. Well, you know, I mean, I guess time will tell. We'll have to keep an eye on, on Smug Mug. And uh, like I said later in the show, I'll run that interview where um, I talked to Baldy, a.k.a. Chris McCaskill, or is it vice versa, um, about this stuff. And um, I think when you guys hear this, they told me that they're going to be hopefully issuing another video um, that sort of, you know, based on my conversation with Chris, they're going to demystify things a little bit more. So um, hopefully I helped instigate that a little bit. And uh, we'll get to the bottom of all this stuff. Um, you know, in the end, with Smuglug, like I was telling Bali on there, you know, they they have a, a product that's, you know, it's it's probably worth every penny, you know. But I think one of the one of the issues is, like Doug was saying, ripping that bandaid off like really fast, <laughs> like that, rather than doing the IV drip, you know, because you you shoot a patient full of painkiller, things are going to happen if you do an IV drip. Well, you know, things will happen at a slower pace. <laughs> so anyway, so we'll keep an eye on them. Definitely uh, keep an eye out for their video that by the time you hear my words here should already be out. And, um, you know, we'll keep an eye on the smug mug. The next story I'm going to talk about is focus peaking. It's coming to more cameras. So last year, Sony added focus peaking to the NEX C3. Uh, Doug, and I bet you know about that camera. And um, it basically, it's a feature that... So it's a feature that when you're recording video, and this has been around for a while, the 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 areas that are in focus highlight to aid you when you're focusing. So kind of like with a split prism from the old days when the prism kind of aligned, you knew things were in focus. It's kind of the digital the digital version of that. So, you know, they, you you basically get an overlay on the highlights in the image so that you know when things are in focus. So it looks like um this Technology is going to be making its way into more DSLR cameras. So, Doug K, what do you think about this? Is this something that we need or should, you know, why? First off, this sounds like manual focus, right? So, it's aiding manual focus. Why not just build a smarter autofocus computer? Well, I, I have this on my Sony NEX7 and I absolutely love it. Um, I mean, I first came across this really in video with things like the Marshall monitors that that you use um, in video or you put them on the HDMI output of your DS, DSLR. Um, it's a marvelous, marvelous feature. Well, the reason I use it is because on my NEX7, I'm using my Nikon prime lenses, mm-hmm. so I don't have autofocus. Uh, but this makes manual focusing an absolute breeze. Um, it, it is so fast and so easy to focus. 
Uh, and is compared- it sharp? Because I'd be I'd oh, be yeah. afraid to release myself to the force or to the well to the targeting <laughs> computer in this case. There, 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 there are two problems. One is, I mean, if you shoot wide open with a you know an F one four or an F one eight prime, you know nothing's in focus except you know one or two hairs. And you know, is it really good enough for that? Maybe. Uh, uh, it, it's it's tough, but if you stop your lens down a little bit, uh, you know, you give it a little fudge factor. It really does very well. Um, the other thing is that you know you're doing this in an electronic viewfinder or live view, which means you're actually seeing the lens stop down to the f-stop that it's going to be shooting at. You know, I'd love to be able to focus wide open. Even though when I go to shoot, it's going to be stopped down maybe one or two stops. But it, it still works very well. And I think it is something that I look forward to seeing in, in electronic viewfinders and SLRs. Yeah. Now, now Dave, is this the is just the, this the vector of where all digital image capture devices are going? Because I know you've, been, <laughs> you've had this ability for a while, right? And now we're seeing it in, in DSLRs. Is this, uh, you know, I mean, if, when you shoot with traditional video cameras, right? Is this yeah. uh, is this is this the way of things in the future? I think it's awesome from a video standpoint. And like Ron mentioned last week, and his pick of the week was Magic Lantern. I've been using Magic Lantern for I don't know a year and a half or maybe two years, and I do use the focus peaking um, when I'm using Magic Lantern on like my T2i. Um, the thing I use it mo- I don't use it all the time. And I'll tell you, when you do have like the blue and sometimes the red um, lines kind of bunching up on your, you know, somebody's eyelid or somebody, you know, depending on what you're focusing on, um, it can be a little distracting. But where I use it the most, it's, and it's very beneficial, is let's say you're outside, you can't see the screen very well, um, maybe the person's back backlit, and it's really hard to, one, see the screen that you're using, and two, actually, you know, because they're backlit, it's really hard. When that, those instances, yeah, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful tool, but I don't use it all the time, especially in a high contrasty situation. I can pretty much see everything off the back of the display, but, um, I think it's awesome. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm expecting more and more cameras to do that. Like, uh, like the Panasonic, you know, maybe the GH3, I think is rumored to have that coming up next. And, you know, the more pressure we can put on companies like Canon, which is usually a very conservative company and won't put stuff like this in there for us guys that like video, maybe they'll finally start putting that kind of stuff in for us. Ron, are we, are we becoming the Borg? Are we using, (laughs) using, is it too much technology being incorporated into our gear? Uh, In a lot of ways, I would claim that this is a step back from autofocusing in terms of it being a a somewhat lower tech solution uh, in the sense, you know, you you get a little more control back and you can use manual focus in times where it would have been a lot harder to do it. You know, you've got such a small viewfinder there, um, especially if you have a, a, you know, you're not using a DSLR and looking through the lens directly through glass. If you've got, you know, a, a digital viewfinder instead, you know, this gives you the ability to do a much more accurate uh, understanding of your manual focusing, and you know if you are working on one of those really wide open lenses, and, and that that depth of field is so shallow, and you want to make sure that you're absolutely nailing the eyes of somebody or some very specific thing in the scene. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's just one more tool in the toolkit, and I, I I've used it on video cameras, and you know, sometimes it's good, and sometimes it gets in the way. It's it's more information on the screen that can be distracting, uh, you know, like Dave said, but. You know, I think uh, I think it's pretty cool. It's one more, it's one more good thing. I love it. Yeah, technology continue. You can't stop it. It's a wave. You know, get with it or get out of the way. 
Yeah, and I think you'll see. I think you'll see even more stuff like this, and you'll see combinations of things. Um, you know, because ultimately that the interface that some cameras have, where you can point to something and just have it focus there, combined with some feedback to let you know that it really is going where you're pointing, uh, it feels like that's a nice interface. Yeah, this stuff is just crazy. I mean, it makes me think of like when when all this stuff starts merging together, like the Lytro light field technology and this technology and you know, f- higher ISO cameras and all this stuff just, you know, 10 years from now is what we're talking about now is like the Flintstones. And it's just like the mind boggles as to what the images will be that we'll be able to create and how we'll be able to distribute them. As we have these great services out now to share images like 500 pics, mug, mug, Flickr, you know, all these guys are out there that allow us to share our images. What is the landscape going to look like 10 years from now? It's just crazy. And by then I'll be old enough to drink. It's just insane. <laughs> <I can't. laughs> All right, moving right along. Um, I want to give a nod to our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by squarespace.com. They're the fast and easy way to create a high quality website or blog. And if you hadn't heard, Squarespace has launched a new content management system. And it's called, very creatively, the new Squarespace. And basically, from a tech perspective, it's it's a brand new product with a brand new different code base under it, meaning they yanked out the guts and put new guts in it so that it's faster. It uses the latest web technologies like HTML5, uh, CSS3, JavaScript, uh, JavaScript foundations, all that stuff, and gives them the flexibility for being able to deploy new features on it really easily, whereas before... You know, in order to change the filter on the car, they had to take the engine out, change it, put the engine back in. Now they can do it easily. Um, from a user perspective, the new Squarespace gives you the best, as they're saying, mobile experience. So it comes with new templates that are mobile ready with responsive designs, meaning your site will automatically detect what's looking at it and reformat itself like a transformer so that it looks professionally designed no matter who's looking at it. You know, whether it's an iPhone, an iPad, an Android tablet, you know, a Galaxy tab, a traditional computer it's weird saying traditional computer but a traditional computer whatever you're looking at it with will you know it'll look great on all that stuff which is especially important for photographers and the cool thing about the new squarespace is that as opposed to the old squarespace it's faster and easier of course but it's now drag and drop so there's a new page builder tool in there that allows you to basically drag blocks of content such as photos and videos text you know, your social media widgets, all that stuff. You just drag them in there, build a thing, and it just does the right thing, and it looks great. So definitely check that out if you're in the market for building, you know, your photography website or blog. If you want to get a free trial of Squarespace, just head over to squarespace.com slash twip. You can sign up for a free account. You don't need a credit card. Just try it out. Start building your website. Then if you decide that you want to purchase it, use the offer code twip9 and get 10% off your first purchase on new accounts, and that includes monthly and annual plans. And they also offer free domain registration with annual plans. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash twip, and use the offer code twip9. And also remember, current Squarespace customers can can convert their accounts over to the new Squarespace whenever they choose to, or they can just keep it as is if if they just, you know, they're happy with their site as it currently stands. So definitely check that out. All right, as we talked about before, guys, I want to 
launch into this interview that I did earlier today, actually, with the Smug Mug president and co-founder, Baldy, also known as Mr. Chris McCaskill. All right, a special treat for the This Week in Photo listeners. I'm joined today by Mr. Chris McCaskill, also known as Baldy on Twitter and other places. He's the president and co-founder of Smug Mug. And um, Chris has uh, agreed to talk to me today specifically about a very serious topic. Um, Smug Mug, for the first time in a long time, has increased their prices uh, by 100% in some cases. And some people are saying that this is smug mugs, Netflix moment. Some people have coined the phrase smug mugged and, you know, needless to say, there's a lot of dissent in the market and a lot of people that are saying, you know, smug mug is great at any price. So Chris has joined me today to just talk about this, demystify it, what their mindset was, where things are today. And to the extent that he can give us an idea of where things might be going for smug mug. So Chris, welcome to this week in photo. Oh, thanks for having me. I've been a big fan of the show for a long time. Awesome. Good. Good. See, that makes me nervous when people say that, you know, especially CEOs of companies. I try to be irreverent on the show. And I'll I feel be like... as irreverent as you want because we're just a small family-owned company. It's, we're not, it's not like a big CEO of Adobe or something. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. All right. Well, I'll try to, I'll try to keep it relatively cordial here. So let's, let's break down the, the prices. So the way that I understand it, and the video you put out was great. You know, it, it demystified it. It was great one-to-one contact with the customer. What I called out of that was new customers that joined Smug. You did say someone heard about Smug Mug yesterday and they're like, okay, I want to go join it. Um, as a pro, it's going to be $300 a year. Existing customers were paying 150 bucks, and that's where all the, the hubbub is coming from because they're going up to 250 bucks a year. If you joined before 2005 at the $100 rate, you're going up to $150. Uh, no, $200. Yeah, those people are going up to $200 a year as well, so there's a 100% increase for those folks well, too. Well, not really as well. I, I'm so the 150 people are going up to 250. The 100 people are going up to 200. Okay. So, okay. so everybody gets a hundred dollar raise, which we know is a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's going up, and then there's a new level that's 150 bucks a year, but with no commerce. Is that, do I have most of that right? Uh, you can't set prices, so it's no commerce at a markup. Mm-hmm. Um, but you get full access to the pro lab, so you can buy, and your visitors can buy for people who don't mark up their their photos. Oh, okay. Okay. So that's for the people that are doing shots for friends and family and you just want to, you want to enable them to buy prints, but you're not looking to say, Hey, this eight by 10 is, you know, a dollar 50. I'm going to sell it for 50 bucks. You can't do that thing. Right. Right. So <clears throat> you go to, you know, you're, you go to the soccer, uh, youth team, you're the team photographer. And there's a lot of people who don't mark up their prints, but want uh, people to be able to buy high quality prints from Bay Photo or WHCC or Boxley in Scotland, the true pro lab, and they can do that because you know people don't have access to products from true pro labs, but here they get it. That's cool. Okay, all right. So the big question is, um, it's a two part question: Why so much, and why now, and why over a Labor Day weekend? So what are, what are, what was the rationale from your level about this timing? Um, well, so uh, why now is be- part of it is we didn't raise prices since 2005. So we've gotten a lot of advice online, which sounds like pretty good advice, really. Why didn't you at least adjust for inflation or, you know, make another price adjustment, you know, three years ago or something like that? So you had two more modest ones instead of one big one. 
And, you know, I think I've said online, yeah, that sounds like pretty good advice. Um, we just thought that storage prices were dropping at the rate they were dropping. They were going to follow Moore's law and storage would eventually become not such a big part of our cost. That was one thing. The other thing is, since we set these prices way back when, the world changed a lot in terms of the sophistication of the product that it wanted. I mean, when we first got into this, we didn't have a pro offering and pros were saying, all you really have to do is let me price my photos. Um, and we thought at the time, they're probably going to ask for a lot more than that. But I don't think we had the vision for how much more, all the coupons and packages and event marketing things. And, you know, it goes on and on and on, uh, deep customization and uh, package branding and so on, all the things that we've tried to add. And as you can see out there, there's a lot more feature requests and for better features. So it's become a very sophisticated, deep software product. And everybody wants to see it be great. It's a much bigger undertaking than it was back in 2005. Yeah. Now, when you when you look at that, so you know, one of the things that you cited was you know, these new cameras that are coming up. In fact, your video, you showed the D800 and those, you know, which produces gargantuan files out of that thing, which you, no one even thought about, you know, back in the days of the 10D, the Canon 10D, right? So this thing is, is producing medium format size files. And one of the reasons for the increase, you said, was because of these increases and because it's so much, it's friction-free to upload because most everybody in your market has high bandwidth. So high bandwidth, meaning the the motive or opportunity and the able the ability to shoot these high resolution files means that you needed to increase it. So but a lot of the reaction is saying, well, hey Bali, the the prices hard disk prices has dropped exponentially, so you can't stand on that. So what do you say to that? Oh, well I don't blame them for feeling that way because I've felt that way for seven years. And I'm honestly very surprised at where our storage costs have gone. So our published rates are I mean at the the Amazon's published rates, who does our storage for us, are online. You can see them. And we thought, as we become one of Amazon's biggest customers, we could see how uh, rates were going to drop for us from $0.15 cents per gigabyte per month of storage down to 5.5 cents per gigabyte per month. And we hit those milestones. We have more than 7 petabytes. We're probably 8 petabytes of storage online right now, growing at 60% a year. Wow. And... Uh, we were watching those prices come down, and we were thinking Moore's Law. And plus, when you go to Fry's, you get this idea, hey, I can buy a USB one terabyte drive for $99 from Seagate or something like that. We all you know, do it. So how much can this really be? Well, the storage from Amazon is readily accessible, very high uptime, replicated around the world, and so on. So it's not a USB drive from Seagate, uh, from Fry's, and you see what the published prices are. But what I, I thought, to show you how crazy I am, when the megapixel explosion was progressing and it got up to like 21, 22 megapixels with the 5D Mark II, I thought, you know, I think Nikon, I had been telling camera manufacturers for a long time, we don't need more megapixels, we need better megapixels. And so when Nikon came out with the D3S, I thought, that's brilliant, you know, it's it's half the megapixels, but it's really a great camera, and its high ISO performance is so great because of its light-gathering capability. We're kind of flattening in the megapixel curve, and that and storage prices dropping, you know, that's going to contain that cost for us. Um, well, 
you know, to my shock, the D800 came out. I bought one, but you know, I shoot these very large landscapes that you've seen on our walls. Yeah. And I thought, you know, I was unusual, but they haven't been able to keep it in demand. And it's, we're watching our customers adopt it like crazy. But the real shock to me, I guess, was um, about, I don't know, a year and a half ago, a year ago, we did a lot of engineering around uploading so that uploading could go directly to Amazon in the fewest hops possible with the fattest pipes possible. And we did all kinds of optimizations by breaking the files up and so on. And we benchmarked against our competitors and we made it really, really fast. We did that as a response to customers saying, hey, you know, I shoot an event and i got to get my photos up there fast. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't have time to wait for all the uploads. And then, you know, it may be bandwidth dependent on their own Comcast connection or whatever. Uh, but at least the faster their connection, if they have a fast connection, we can, you know, use every bit of it. And uh, so we did that. And, Frederick, you just would not believe the spike in storage you know, that we saw from that because it just made the site a lot more useful. Hmm. And so I'm looking at it saying, wait a minute, you know, I've, I've been predicting all these rates to go down. They're going up by 60% a year and they're doing it on the backs of the more engineering we put into it. Like, you know, our new Lightroom plugin that offers syncing and things. It, it just makes it so much more convenient and the robot and the uploads are so much more robust. Storage is not going the way I predicted. It's going the other way. Yeah, yeah. It's friction free. It's becoming more and more friction free. Especially like you mentioned with Lightroom, you can just drag and drop a bunch of huge files onto an icon, and they're in the cloud, right? Or after a bit of a delay, depending on your bandwidth, they're moved up. Whereas before, it was a little bit of a. It was jumping through hoops. So yeah, yeah, you're yeah. right there. <clears throat> And, and there are a lot of other dynamics, too. Photographers are beginning to sell more online. They're much more successful at it, and the more they shoot, the more they, shoot, the more they sell. And that incentivizes them uh, to upload more. And also, the, you used to work at Adobe. The, the default settings for compression on Lightroom mm-hmm. make for these very enormous files. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're conceptually, you know, you could do like Facebook does and recompress those files uh, and resample those files, and storage would problems would go away like they do with facebook but people leave it at the default settings and they're uploading these giant you know files and um so the world has changed since 2005 when we set those prices and i you know looked right in the camera on my video and said i you know i thought storage prices were going to go down everybody did it just seems obvious well we lost that bet that was my miscalculation now, did you before making the pulling trigger on making this price change? Did you go out to the audience or to the, not the audience, but to the the customer base at all, and do any sort of surveys or just ask them what their price sensitivity levels and that that kind of thing were? We did um, a lot, and uh, we you know talked to a lot of pros endlessly about it and so on. Uh, but one thing we knew when we raised prices in two thousand five, uh, there was a lot of emotion around that. We saw that. We've seen competitors raise prices. One of the ones that's talked about a lot when they raised prices to 2005, their forums had a lot of heat in it. Um, we saw the Netflix example. I'm sure you're going to ask me about that. Um, and um, uh, so we knew there would be some heat among some percentage of our customer base. We didn't think there would be this much heat, but um, we understand it. $100, it's an emotional thing. It's money, and do you feel you're taken advantage of, and is it? 
you know, justified? Is is Baldy lying about storage costs, or is he just buying a fancy home? I, I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. Well, then you you brought it up. So Netflix, you know, Netflix is is famous and you know became a you know people people are describing things as being Netflix now, and you know they've been applying this Netflix moment to Smug Mug. How do you? How do you you know in the in the case of Netflix they after they made their pricing changes they or and restructured their packaging they went back and changed it again and then you know which made things worse are you are you going to stick to your guns with this price increase and keep pushing forward or, or are you rethinking the move? Uh, well, let me talk about Netflix first because I studied that in great detail sure. because every, we've seen when you have a subscription business and you have somebody at a certain subscription price and you need to raise it, that's a big thing. Um, that, that was the biggest lesson of the Netflix thing. So I studied it and we know Reed Hastings um, and I'm you know a fan of Netflix and so on. So we, um, I thought an awful lot of it was their messaging, uh, you know, the comment about the latte and they didn't do a video and, mm-hmm. and uh, they just weren't that transparent about it. I mean, the issue there was a legitimate issue. Hollywood was looking at you know, the Wizard of Oz being viewed a zillion times a few pennies per view, and it was their intellectual property, and Hollywood said, oh, we're gonna, if you want content, you're going to have to pay up for it. And they, in my opinion, they didn't really have much choice but to raise prices, but they didn't do a good job messaging, you know, how the, why they had to do it. And um, so I thought, well, we're going to do a good job, and nothing has ever beaten the truth. I'm going to just look right in the lens of the camera and tell them the truth. And... Um, not everybody may like it, but we know the numbers and uh, and know what the truth is. So, um, you know, I the other thing about Netflix is they lost eight hundred thousand customers. That sounds like a big number, but it was eight hundred thousand out of twenty six million. And you know, no one's looking at their like their last quarter report for Q two of two thousand twelve. Their sales are up thirteen percent. They're profitable in that quarter alone. They gained five hundred and thirty thousand customers, and they were able to do some of these content deals. So, yeah, it was very painful. They made some missteps along the way. Uh, we swore we weren't going to make those mis- missteps, but we made a few anyway. And um, but at the end of the day, just like when we made our first price increase, when our competitors have made some price increases, at the end of the day, we were able to offer, you know, better. Uh, than we could before, yeah. and that's what we're trying to do here. Well, then let look at it. I want to take it from the standpoint of who the target market or markets are for Smug Mug, because looking looking at the sort of you know the pricing flow, there's almost a bifurcation of the pros versus the non-pros with with you know it's binary with nobody in between. And a lot of people are saying that, like I think we were talking about before, you know, it feels like that the smug mug price increase is catering to the pros, the people that are generating money from their photography, and not so much the poor people or the people that are not generating money from their photography, and that the poor are now being are subsidizing the rich. You know, how do you, how do you reconcile that? Yeah, we die inside when we when we read those comments because so many of and I did help desk, you know, the whole three days of the weekend. Um, and I would have people in an apartment in Detroit or a student, you know, um, email us and put attention baldy. And I would take the ticket and, and they'd say, you know, I love your service, but I didn't expect a $100 price range arise. I don't have $100. And mm-hmm. 
my situation is I'm just getting started in photography and I'm shooting, you know, with a cheap camera and, and you know, this is, this makes it very difficult for me. And I would just die inside when I saw that. So we <clears throat> spent an awful lot of, you know, the last few days pouring through numbers and trying to figure out how to solve this problem because we, we didn't intend to leave people like that out in the cold. Mm-hmm. Who, you know, part, part of the reason we started Smug Mug is we love photography and love those kind of photographers, and many of them will go on to become, I don't know what, the next Frederick Van or Trey Ratcliffe or something. Mm-hmm. And um, But on the other hand, we're being asked to write some very, 100% of our customers, all of them, including the ones who are very poor, want great software from us and great service and very reliable storage and great uptime and all those things. And they're wanting it for $150 a year. And you, I don't know how long, you know, what your experience with Adobe was. I used to work for Steve Jobs at Next at one time, and I remember when he was, I was in a meeting where he was talking to John Warnock about the price of Adobe Photoshop. This was two decades ago, mm-hmm. and the people they were leaving out, and John was trying to explain, you know, to make that software great, you know, I, I have to charge a certain amount. Um, and uh, we had this big debate, and I was on the side of Steve, you know, make it cheaper and more people can use it, and think of all the people you're leaving out and so on. But, you know, for 20 years, we've all railed against the price of Photoshop, and yet, you know, it, it really has become a great product. We, if, if we, you know, were, if we had a way, you know, we've tried for seven years, if we had a way to maintain a $150 price point um, and have a reasonable account that we could feel good about and do a good job of for $150, we would do it. But we don't. We to this point we haven't figured out how to do that. Yeah. Now, what about using you know? And a lot of people, you know, I, I want to wrap this in the you know, <clears throat> you know, a lot of people are just armchair quarterbacks out there, myself included. We don't know what's going on inside of Smug Mug or what the the spreadsheet looks like, right? But you know, a lot of people are saying, why not just use um, the storage space as your throttle? In other words, why not just cap the space? for people that aren't using a lot of space and choose and charge them a lower amount. And then for unlimited, then you get charged this, you know, this large amount. Why why not go in that direction? Well, that's a very good question. And we've been running numbers on that a lot. And uh, we've thought about, you know, what would be a reasonable, excuse me, limit. Would it be, some people are suggesting as low as 15 or 20 gigabytes. We don't want to make it look so cheap that, um, you know, they, do the math and say, you're giving me 20 gigabytes. And, um, uh, we, and we looked through a lot of the accounts and saw what the spread of storage was. Um, I tried to point out to a few people on the help desk, this didn't work so well, uh, when they would write in and say, you know, I can't believe you're taking me from 150 to, you know, to 250. I don't use that much storage. And I would go look at their account and, and, and they would say, I'm just a mom talk. Well, I'll give you an example. Uh, Megan McCaskill photography. Mm-hmm. Hello, Megan. Uh, yeah. So she was telling me, she was one of the pros I consulted with, and she's my daughter-in-law, so it was easy to consult with her. Um, she was saying, look, if you raise the price on me $150, I'd be pissed, you know, because I don't want to pay for somebody else's outrageous storage use and, and so on. 
So anyway, I happened to look in her control panel at her storage, and it was 300 gigabytes, and she said, it couldn't be. There's no way. Come on. And uh, as I looked at it, yeah, it, it, was, it was there. Now, we do have a lot of people who, for whom it's 5, 10 you know, gigabytes, 15, or something like that. And uh, what do we do about those people? And as we've talked to people, as they come up to the limit, they say, well, what you could do is help me manage that storage, and they list an array of features that would help them do that. Some people favor... I'll just, you know, recompress my photos so they're perceptually not different, you know, as I upload them, so I don't have to worry about the limit. Other people are, you know, expiring galleries and bulk delete tools and, uh, you know, some kind of, there's all kinds of different options. Um, and uh, it, um, you know, that uh, that is a possibility. We've been working on it, uh, you know, on conceptualizing it. Uh, but a lot of things have to fall in place for us to be able to do that well. So that's not that's not that's not off the table. Using using storage space as a throttle might rear its head some at some point in the future, just not with this level, not with this price increase. Yeah, you know we we thought about it over the weekend um, Sunday. We were here from dawn until I don't know midnight or something. And by midnight, we said, you know what? It's going to be hard to make this decision with this gun in our head, with all the things we have to do to help them manage the storage right now. So it's not off the table for the future, um, but as a quick fix for this weekend's woes, um, it is off the table, I'm afraid to say. Got it. Got it. Okay, so now, when it, in, in the video that you posted online, you at the end of it, you were talking about, you know, there are really cool things coming, and even in this interview, you were referring to the fact that it, just like with the Adobe example, it takes money to build great software. Yeah. Um, so, I totally understand that, you know, and SmugMug is a is a intricate and robust service, right? So then, what people are saying, some people are saying online is... Okay, take the drawing the analogy to the iPhone, right? So, what if Apple came out with an iPhone that could only make calls? That was it, you know. Notwithstanding the jokes about it not being able to make calls, but you know, yeah, if there was an iPhone that was that was only able to make calls, and but Apple priced it at say five hundred, six hundred dollars or whatever, and then said, "Hey, we're pricing it this high because you're not going to believe the cool features that we have coming up. So, pay for it now, and we're going to add stuff to it later, rather than." releasing something that has all these cool features in it and saying this is how we justify the price of this device. And a lot of people are saying SmugMug's doing that the former whether they're saying that you know we're increasing the price because there's cool stuff coming. What do you what do you say to that? Uh well Apple sort of did that um you know with the original iPhone that I lined up for um me too <laughs> through the night yeah and um slept there with Bill Atkinson and so on um because uh, you know, it didn't even have copy and paste and it wasn't a platform and it, you know, there were a lot of questions about it. The iPad itself, when it came out, the tech press pretty much skewered it. It didn't have, it didn't even have a USB port. Uh, and it knocked Steve on his butt for about three days, you know, because he, he said, boy, it really knocks you back to introduce something like that and get such a poor reaction to it. But Apple did put their money where their mouth was for uh, for the iPhone. They fixed some of the, you know, calling issues. They went multi-vendor in terms of, you know, it wasn't an AT&T exclusive anymore. They got a lot of really wonderful features in there, including making a, a platform uh, so that people could develop for it. And, and um, you know, you could still say today, yeah, but 
I can get more features for less money with a Galaxy S or whatever. And some people do, and it's their prerogative to go buy the Galaxy. Um, but it's been Apple's history to have to charge more, and it's a chicken and the egg thing. Because they charge more, they can spend more on engineering. And because they spend more on engineering, they can charge more. And, you know, it's, it's, a, big, it's a big chicken and the egg. So, so I want to talk a little bit about the, the, you know, we talked about the market, the rich and the poor, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, but from the standpoint of, you know, let me, let me, let me just sort of phrase the question and how this, this technique relates to me. So I have an email list for this week in photo and what, you know, I have a couple of different email lists, which cost me money every month to maintain at certain levels. You know, if you have a certain number of users or, you know, subscribers on your mailing list, it costs you a certain amount. If you exceed it by one, you jump up to the next tier and et cetera, et cetera. So for me, when people unsubscribe from my mailing list, I look at it almost as a gift because I'm like, well, A, you weren't my customer anyway because you're leaving my list. And B, uh, I'm paying less and I have a more condensed, more focused list of people who want to hear what I have to say. So how does that translate to SmugMug? Are you... Are you looking at this price increase and sort of the shift in moving upward aside from the, okay, we're, we're funding features and making the service better and all that, but are you also looking at it as a way to more focus crisply at the pros and saying, okay, you know, the people that might fall off the edge weren't really smug mug customers anyway? Um, well, I can give you some numbers from the 2005 price increase. We our basic accounts were 29.95, and they went up to 39.95. And power was 39, or what was it, 49, and it went up to 59. Mm-hmm. And Pro was 99, and it went up to 149. That was the one we were the most afraid of because it was a pretty big price increase, a 50% increase. Um, the percentages are always higher when the price is low, and. Uh, what happened was quite interesting. Our subscription rate for basic accounts went down by about 33%. Um, and that meant that sales stayed the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but it also meant that we had 33% less support to do, uh, 33% less storage to offer, and we had an extra $10 that we could help to fund you know, better features that they wanted, you know, themes and things like that. Power accounts didn't change. It was the same subscription rate uh, before and after. The pro subscription rate went up by about 30-some-odd percent at the higher price, which we didn't understand. And so we started asking pros, and they said, well, at $99, it was, we thought there had to be a catch. It was too good to be true. In fact, we still think there is. Um, you know, how do you offer unlimited storage to pros and make a great product and everything you know, for $150, but at least it sounds more credible than it did sound. <clears throat> and that's, we've heard that nonstop forever at, you know, the trade shows and so on that, you know, we'll, we'll explain to a pro what's, um, you know, what's all involved with Smug Mug and what we offer. And then they'll say, and it's $150 a month. And we say, no, that's a year. And they say, wait a minute, did you say 150 a year? And I say, yeah. And they say, what, and what's the catch? And we just some of them we just can't convince to subscribe um, because they say uh, you know it's there's either got to be a catch or you're not going to be in business. It's the it's the price perception thing, right? Like if, if you go into Tiffany's and and there's a there's a diamond ring for fifteen dollars and the identical one next to it for you know fifteen hundred or fifteen thousand dollars, then you automatically think the more expensive one is better, and there's a catch to the small one, right? Yeah, and that's haunted us for a long time, and. 
so uh, we die when those pros go away because we think, oh my gosh, you know, and we all have our stories of, you know, it's not just pro photographers, but it's bakeries and, you know, uh, various different companies and there we're, you know, we're used for all kinds of things. And, uh, and when they just won't subscribe because, and sometimes they'll make a comment like, yeah, and I won't buy a $150 lens either. Um, and, you know, we just die inside because we know we could serve that customer really well. We have good support and so on. And, and uh, you know, maybe they'll sell some prints and so on. And we know storage costs are dropping, blah, blah, blah. Are we, are we ever going to see a smug mug free, you know, like a, like a, like a entry level just for those people that are shooting with point and shoots, you know, like an open level. I know you smug mug. I don't think if to my knowledge has ever been free, like Flickr, but you think you'd ever go in that direction to, to kind of serve the masses? Well, Flickr freaked us out when they came out um, because their growth rate was exponential and people loved them and they had this freemium model and the freemium model seemed to be working for them, getting a lot of adoption. We just could not understand how it worked financially. So we got together with, military.com and decided, you know what, let's experiment with a freemium model and let's offer just to military people, uh, you know, limited free. It had 50 um, megabytes of storage, I think, which back in the day was quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I don't, maybe it was 500 megs. I don't remember. Um, and we, we found uh, something, we found a lot of things that were very difficult with that model. Um, and so we abandoned it. Uh, and just decided, you know what, um, for people who really care about their photos, you know, $40 a year is not that big a burden. Um, that sounds like a very arrogant thing to say because a lot of people would say $40 is a lot. I can't afford $40. Yeah. But what was happening with free, one thing that was happening with free it was anonymous. And when it was anonymous, then we had to have screeners. And we learned a sore lesson with screening. You can't always... You know, some things can be creepy, but you can't screen them out. And if you try to, then the person uploading it gets enraged and so on. And they mm. really uh, cut loose on our support heroes and so on. So we just, we couldn't figure freemium out. And then only to discover that really Flickr couldn't really figure it out either. For photos, for other services, it works. But photos, you know, re- the page is heavy. It's got a lot of bits on it. Uh, people don't like ads in their own personal galleries quite as much. Um, as they do on the pages of the New York Times or something like that. Uh, and you have all the storage and so on. So freemium is a really difficult model, and they ended up selling to Yahoo, and I don't think they wanted to, and it's been rocky financially ever since for them. Yeah. So we know our numbers. We don't know other people's numbers. We can't react to other people's numbers, um, but we had a bad experience with freemium. We're glad we just dipped our toe in the water and and didn't take it too far. Got it, got it. So you mentioned you m- mentioned your heroes, the smug mug heroes. I just want to, you know, a lot of the the comments as I was researching for this interview and you know put the word out on Google Plus and Twitter and Facebook. Um, a lot of the responses that I got back were kudos to Smug Mug for having uh, insanely good customer service. So I wanted to pass that along to you from the from the folks that are that are customers. They, they think your your customer support is is at the top of the list in terms of companies that you compete with. So congratulations on that. Thank you. I have one or two things to say about that. First off, there are 34 heroes around the world. And, uh, you know, we've been hiring heroes for 10 years and only one has ever left. I mean, when you think of any other support desk anywhere in the world, just I don't know know what the company is. Zappos, even, who has great support or Road ID, who has great support. We have 
you know, our hero companies that we look to for support, uh, they, um, you know, they have turnover. The one who left had gone through flight school and he became an airline captain um, and he had to pay off flight school and everything else. Uh, but he was, he loved us and uh, we loved him. But uh, as far as I know, unless I'm missing somebody, no one else in the support team has quit. They're very fired up and they love our customers and they love being heroic and the empowerment we try to give them to be heroic. And they are photographers. Almost all of them are photographers or the lion's share of them who... Um, who understand, you know, what happens, why you get a blueprint if you shoot in the shade without your white balance being set to shade. Yeah. And, uh, and they just have the passion for it. So, but, you know, if you're going to hire photographers and you're going to, you know, have 34 of them and try to answer every email in an hour and have online chat and all that stuff, it's, you know, that's a significant cost. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. Well, well, congratulations. I mean, it is important, especially in the photography space. We, we both know that photography is, if not the one of the most fast, fastest growing hobbies in the United States. And a lot of people, especially with the recession, are moving to photography as a business, empowering all that. And with that influx of people, it's just they're all new, right? A lot of people are new and they're going to make the same mistakes that, that we made 20 years ago. So, and they re- require some handholding to get up to the level of actually shooting as a professional. So thanks for stepping in and doing that. Yeah, that's true. And, and inevitably when a new photographer, uh, you know, puts up prints and so on, you, you know, their new clients are, well, often, I won't say inevitably, but often the, their clients will email us and say, Hey, I got these prints and they don't look so great. And, uh, we refund to replace them within 30 days, no matter what. And then we work with the pro to talk about, you know, how to get accurate skin tones or, you know, the right. It looks brighter on your screen than it looks on a print because screens are getting brighter every day and they have for 10 years and it fakes you out because prints never change and, and uh, you know, and all those things. Yeah. Well, Chris, I want to be respectful of your time. I know you have a lot of stuff to do, but I want to, I want to end this interview with the, the one question. Like in your interview or in your video that you have, you have online, you mentioned that there's a lot of cool stuff coming. So I was trying to get my brain around what might be coming. So I went to the, the uh, Smug Mug forums and I kind of culled through it to see what the top requests were from a lot of pros and semi-pros. Um, and, you know, there's a long list, but here's the, the list of what people want. And I want to see, you know, to the extent that you can, you can reveal w- which of these might see the light of day. So um, this is a short list, you know, self-fulfillment for print orders, um, the ability to have more gallery le- levels so that you can better organize albums and events, um, privacy groups, the ability to share certain galleries with certain audiences, better templates and improved page creation tools, more international labs for people in Canada, the UK, Australia, etc. FTP uploading and the ability to remove the smug mug branding in the e-commerce section. So of those, which do you think uh, are, are, are all those like way out of bounds or will we see those in the, in sort of the coming months or weeks? Uh, months or weeks? Uh, uh, no, unfortunately. Um, but, uh, there are some that are difficult for us that we want to do, but we have, um, you know, we've struggled with like the Canadian lab, for example, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we, it doesn't matter what feature release we make on our blog and announce it. The comments say Canada, 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 and things like that. Um, there are a lot of tax laws in Canada that we're waiting through. We had to go through this in, in Europe and, you know, there's, 
I, I don't know uh, when we could do something like that. On the other things, most of the other things are, you know, squarely on our radar and, you know, more than two categories deep. That's absolutely something we're working on and better templates and customization and so on. Yeah, and then and then the you know the the ability to have and organize galleries and that sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. And that's a big issue. That's a big request that has been out there for a long time. So, uh, yeah, n- no doubt we're addressing all those most of those top things. Okay. So when when might we see some of this like like the the next level or next uh, rollout or wave of improvements hit? When when can people start looking forward to seeing changes in the service? I wish I could answer that one for you, Frederick. But I <laughs> that's my journalist question. I know you're going to say I can't tell you, but <laughs> to put it out there. Yeah, I know. I uh, I've gotten myself in a lot of trouble when I predicted some of those dates in the past. Yeah. And- and then they slip, and then you have to do the mea culpa and all that, right? Yeah, and they slip for all kinds of reasons. You get a, you know, a patent lawsuit or something like that, and so you can't implement something one way, and you have to implement it another way, and you can't really tell the public about that. And uh, you know, there's a there's a lot of those things that go behind the work. That's a you know another significant cost that people aren't thinking about. Like when Pictage got sued by VPS, they had a three point nine million dollar settlement, which crippled wow. Pictage. You know, we're in various. When you get large enough, you're in various patent lawsuits. We're in a big one in Chicago against VPS that we've probably spent a million dollars on, and um, uh, you know, nobody, nobody computes that in the cost, or very few do compute that in the cost of a hundred and fifty dollar account. But we have to. Yeah. Well, good. Well, we'll we'll leave it at that. I'll let you get back to the the businesses or the business of running that company. Where where would you like people go? I mean, obviously smugmug.com, but. Is there any other place where people can go to keep up with with uh, releases and that sort of thing? Well, we try to um, you know blog about every release on our you know news.smugmug.com blog, and we you know try to stay active on Google Plus and Twitter and Facebook and so on. When are when are we going to see you, Chris, on uh, on uh, Google Plus? Well, I am. Uh, you know, I, I've kept a pretty low profile there. Um, and uh, but I do have a Google Plus account, and I've participated in various different Hangouts, the one with Thomas Hawk, and so on. Yep. So, uh, so uh, you're already there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm there. Okay. Well, cool. um, I had a little identity thing, you know, in the beginning when you we couldn't use our Smug Mug identity on Google Plus. I had to have a second identity, and just the inconvenience of it, you know, having a Chrome browser open for one identity and Firefox open for the other identity kind of slowed me down. But, you know, people see me on Facebook and so on. Yeah, trust me, I went through the same thing. So that's a, that's a whole different interview, right? There. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Chris. I appreciate you taking the time to, yep. to spread the word and demystify the stuff. Um, I'm sure there's a ton of questions that we didn't get to that people will say, why didn't you ask this and that? But, you know, there's only so much time in an interview. But I think we got through the through the, the gist of the you know, the pieces of the iceberg that are sticking up above the waterline. So I think we got, we got most of it. Thank you, Frederick. All right. You're welcome. And uh, you have a great day. You helped me buy a, like a D800 and a lot of other camera gear. Oh, I was good. I hope I drove that decision. Awesome. Uh, you've driven a lot of decisions. I don't think my wife likes you much. <laughs> I'm working out and I'm listening to Twip. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm going to have to get that. <laughs> I get a lot of that. You know, I just tell it like it is. I'm just spreading the word. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're an evil man, too. I'm going to blame you 
on some of my budgetary pro- problems with my wife. Hey, you know what? You know, I'll, I'll leave you with this. My last sort of binge of buying. I don't buy a lot of photo gear, but every now and then I buy stuff. Was um, I bought three three Einsteins from Paul C. Buff to play with? Oh yeah, wow! I love those those flash heads. But anyway, that's uh, we could geek out for days on photography. I know. Why did you have to mention that? <laughs> yeah, I know. Go play with them. You're you being gotta, evil again. I know. Go check them out. You're going to be blown away, especially with the kind of work you do. I mean, I know not the landscapes, but if the level of control you have on those, you'll you'll be blown away. Expect a call from my wife, Frederick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris. You have a great day. Thanks a lot. You too. Okay, bye. Okay, you can learn more about Smug Mug, of course, by visiting their website over at SmugMug.com. You can also follow them on Twitter. And also, I would encourage you to jump into their forums. There's a lively discussion going on in there about the pricing as well as all kinds of other things that you might find of interest as a Smug Mug user. Definitely check them out over at SmugMug.com. All right, folks, it's time for some listener Q&A. This is the segment where you guys, the guests, get to answer questions that have come in from our various social and online presences. First question is from Jeremy Lanthorne. He writes, hey, Twip, I'm looking for a new lens for my D90 Nikon, I presume. I do a lot of wrestling shooting at all levels. I'm looking at Nikon 70 to 200 VRI um, and VRII, you know, the the next version of the uh, vibration reduction lens, and also the 80 to 200 2.8. He wants to know what's the difference between the two. Um, who knows the difference? Let me guess, huh? Doug K. <laughs> <laughs> the resident Nikon. Well, I showed, that, I showed the Nikon thing with you, Frederick, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, I, I mean, it's you and me against uh, Ron and, and Dave. <laughs> I, I I like this question, and I and I had a chance to to think about it a bit. You know, the if you ask most Canon, I'm going to guess if you ask most Canon or Nikon shooters today, what's the one lens they'd never give up? It's probably their 70 to 200 f 28 yep. yep. um, It's just they're they're both gorgeous lenses. Um, the 80 to 200 is a fairly old lens. I mean, it, it came out in the last millennium. Um, mm. It's it's a it's a real fast autofocusing lens. It's about half the price. You can you can buy them used, but they cost almost as much as buying a new one. Um, the, normally, I would say to somebody, you know, gee, if you can afford the the VR two, get it. The, the The vibration reduction is awesome, and the version two is much better because I had a I had a version one and then upgraded to a version two, and it made a, a world of difference. However, for for um, for Jeremy's particular situation, I have some different thoughts I'd like to recommend to him. Mm-hmm. He says he's shooting wrestling, and he's shooting it indoors. And one of the problems there is light. You know, people say, oh, that's great. VR will get you, you know, two extra stops of shutter speed because it'll hold things still. But that's not going to solve motion blur. So if you're shooting somebody moving, you know, VR is great for your camera shake, but it doesn't solve the motion blur problem. Um, and his, he's going to get to the pro- point where his problem isn't the lens at F2.8. The problem is going to be the D90. The D90, if you crank the ISO up, is just going to get too much noise, and you need that ISO cranked up to get your shutter speed up. So, you know... If all he wants is a lens and he can afford the VR two seventy two hundred, go ahead and get that. But if he has a fixed budget and he can afford that, he might look at going out and getting 
a used D700. The prices are about to sink like a rock mm. because of the new 600 coming out this month. Um, but you can, you can even today, you can get a used D700 for 600 bucks. You can sell a D90 for 500 bucks. That $1,100 um, difference is what you'd make up by buying the 80 to 200 instead of the 70 to 200. So, you know, you get the older lens. It's got a faster autofocus, not quite as sharp, but, um, you know, get, get a body with better high ISO performance. And I think for that particular mission, that's what I do. Or, or I'd wait until, if you could just wait until see what the D600 specs are. Cause some people are saying that camera is going to be priced at only $1,500. Wow. Hmm. Oh, mm. No, not again. I, mean, <laughs> you know, I, will, I will sell. I will sell Jeremy my D seven hundred. I have to do it really fast because once the six hundred hits, the seven hundred prices really are going to drop. Yeah, doorstop prices, right? God. Yeah. yeah, and the D seven hundred is no slouch of a camera. I mean, no, it's, it's a great, great camera. It's yeah. a great camera. But again, it's you know, it's so much better at the high ISOs that I think I would want to shoot. Uh, for uh, indoor wrestling. Yeah, cool. Good. Very good advice for Mr. Jeremy Lanthorn. I hope that helps him. Our next question is up for it up is, you know, I'm seeing a trend here. Another Nikon question. I did not put these questions in here, audience, by the way. Yeah, somebody's picking these. I had nothing to do with this. Uh, this is Patrick Ford. He says, I'm a semi-pro photographer slash designer looking to beef up my lighting gear. I'd like to get into product photography and I know my current lighting gear isn't up to snuff. It consists of an SB700 and a large reflector. Can you recommend some practical lighting solutions for someone not looking to spend a ton of money? He says, he goes on to say, I don't want cheap junk, but this is not my career. Ideally, I'd like something that works for both product photography and portraits, particularly babies and toddlers. And by the way, he shoots with a D7000, which does not have a PC sync port. Who wants to take this one? Oh, crickets. I, I, crickets I, from the Canon guys. I'll, to, I'll, no, I'll, I'll toss in some comments, even though it's not going to be specific. To Good work, Ryan. Uh, I just, you know, the, these new light panels, these LED light panels are really changing some of the rules about things like product photography where, you know, you're not working in a flash kind of an environment. You're, you've got a constant light source that you can kind of set up and I guess, you know, I think get a better idea because you're looking at the constant light source. Uh, of how certain things are going to look. So I don't know that that's necessarily a strong recommendation so much as it's something I think you should explore. And I know some of these light panels are getting pretty cheap. There's some some decent, you know, kind of knockoff versions from the brand name ones. Uh, in fact, at one point, I know that we we talked about maybe somebody was going to purchase one of these and play around with it. I think that was you, Frederick. But I don't know if you ever did go buy one or not. But Yeah, I did. Um, Thoughts on that? I mean, instead of using a flash setup, using a light panel. Um, yeah, you know, the one I have is not it's not big enough because I, I I shoot with big light, right? So it's not it's not big enough to give me the big light I need. The big light comes from the Einstein from Paul C. Buff, you know, in a giant giant thirty by sixty soft box, you know, the, the wraparound light. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, those the small ones I haven't I've got them, but I haven't honestly found a use for them other than just sort of. Dinking around, you know. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. yeah if they I come mean, out with a giant softbox version of a of a light panel, then I'm all in. You know? Yeah. I can add one quick thing because he's talking about product photography, and I, I'm coming more from a hot lights kind of guy. I'm not a off camera flash kind of guy. But um, 
one of the things I learned with product photography is it's not so much the light, it's how you modify the light. Mm -hmm. I mean, so it, you might not have to spend too much money on the actual light itself. I'd spend more money on the actual modifier um, that you're using. Just that's my two cents. Very good. Yeah, it is. That's sage words from the video guy. (laughs) It's not the light. It's what you do with it. Yeah. All right. Uh, Okay. So let's guys quickly, let's go through the picks of the week. Um, This remember you can pick anything. This as long as it is somehow even tangentially related to photography. Doug K, what's your pick of the week? Well, the fact that you interviewed Ben Wilmore, was it for the last week's show or the one before? I can't remember. Yeah, um, I, yeah but I forget what I did. It. Totally, totally by accident because I came across this on Creative Live before I even knew you were going to do that interview. I happened to watch this live or you know, on and off, and then I actually bought this. Ben Wilmore has a three-day class on creative live that costs 99 dollars for what's about amounts to about 18 hours of video it's called photoshop for photographers i've been using photoshop for you know many years and i still learned a tremendous amount from watching ben wilmore teach this thing whether it was little tricks things i didn't know or just his overall workflow and i think the difference is that ben ben understands what photoshop's doing under the covers and for me, that really made a lot of things click that had that hadn't clicked before. So um, I, I think this is my pick of the week, which is to go to Creative Live, look for Ben Wilmore's Photoshop for photographers, pay your ninety nine bucks, and uh, spend a lot of time watching it because it's a lot of video. So Ben, so you're saying Ben Wilmore knows Photoshop under the covers? Would that mean that he actually knows how to use his magic wand tool better than everybody else? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going there. I had to get this, that. This is I had to get it in there. Come Frederick, on. Frederick. <laughs> what are we going to do? On. For, a guy, for on. a guy who's not old enough to drink yet, you shouldn't really be doing it. <laughs> Come on. Grow up. Whatever. <laughs> All right, Ron. What's your pick of the week? Uh, you know, I was having trouble coming up with one since I've had to do this three weeks in a row now. But um, I actually came up with a good one here. Well, actually, I have two picks. First, My first pick. For those of you that have been following along, you know, I made a little iPhone app called Freeze Paint. And um, it was a 99-cent app, and we now went ahead and put out a free version of it. So for those of you who couldn't justify 99 cents, <laughs> and apparently there's a few of you out there, you can now just go to the App Store, search for Freeze Paint, and you'll see a Freeze Paint free come up. And you can try it out. If you like it, you can upgrade to turn off a couple of the little annoying ads that will show up in this version. But I'm hoping that lots of people uh, will try it out that didn't previously look at it. Very and we're still going to do a contest that will work with the free one. Nice. All right. So uh-huh. you should you should uh, email over to uh, Chris McCaskill over there at Smug Mug and uh, give him some advice on your pricing moves. <laughs> yes, exactly. Would. I would like to see a free Smug Mug. It's a- <laughs> yes. We dropped down to nothing. Yeah, we're we're going the opposite direction. Yes, but uh, my real pick, my 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 real pick that I I think uh, is good for everybody here. There's a movie that came out years ago called Baraka. B a r a k. I don't have any of you guys seen this movie. I've heard of it. I don't think I've seen it. Beautiful, beautiful. It it is a non-narrative, uh, no dialogue kind of movie. It's just incredible images set to incredible music. Um, it was all shot, you know, with uh, really high quality film, uh, large format cameras, uh, motion control rigs. Uh, one of my favorite movies is just a great, you just sort of just watch it and get absorbed in it. 
So everybody, my first recommendation is everybody should go see this. You're probably going to have to get it on DVD. I looked on iTunes and it's not on there. And besides, you don't want anything that's even slightly compressed for something that's this pretty. Uh, but the same filmmaker, a guy named Ron Fricke, has got a new movie out called Samsara, S-A-M-S-A-R-A. And it's just been released to theaters like this week. It's going to be a limited release. You're going to have to look around and see if it's playing in your area. I'm going to see it tomorrow. But again, same sort of scenario, non-narrative. You know, everything was shot in 70 millimeter, which if you don't know your movie film technology, that's basically a, the equivalent of shooting large format uh, in still film. And... Uh, the trailer looks amazing as well. So there's, uh, I, I, my, my suggestion is really to go see, see both of those, I guess. Very cool. All right. That's a, two for the price of one. How'd you get away That's with right. that? I thought, uh, you had, I thought you had a uh, Mitt Romney video that you were going to share with us, Ron. What happened to that? Uh, yes. We'll put a, <laughs> we'll put a link to an amusing video I did that is a non-political video that's up on YouTube. Or you can just go to YouTube and Google, uh, Mitt Romney Thatcher illusion, and uh, the Thatcher illusion. For those of you that aren't familiar with it, is this this thing that your brain does, where if you look at an image that's upside down, but the eyes and the mouth are right side up still, it looks normal. But then when you flip the whole thing upside down, it looks really horrifying. So I actually did a video of that when I was playing around uh, and did it's, it on. It's, Mr. Uh, it's a little disturbing, Mr. Romney's face, <laughs> more so Every, than usual. It's everybody's <laughs> face upside down looks like Margaret Thatcher. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm not even going there. <laughs> All right. And uh, Dave, what is your pick of the week? My pick is the Case Logic SLRC 206 camera bag. Um, a that is back, very cleverly named. Whoever came up with that, <laughs> that marketing guy needs to go back to marketing school. Goes off the tongue. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of months ago, I put a. Um, a call out to some of my followers um, for a camera bag because I was looking to buy one that was small enough to put like in a regional jet overhead bin uh, that was a backpack style. And a whole bunch of people um, let me know what they thought was the best. And there was three that kind of came in as a common denominator it was like the Tinba shootout, um, the Pro Runner, uh, Low Pro Pro Runner 300AW, and then this case Logic. And um, right off the bat, um, I the timba out of the equation because it was three pounds heavier than the uh, case wow. logic and that's almost the weight of my canon 70 to 200 lens so i took that one off the table right off the bat and then um and so it was down to the low pro and the case logic and i ended up picking the case logic is and i've been using it for the last few months and it's a uh, been working out quite well. I really like it. You know, I got to say, I'm looking at your page now, um, learningdslrvideo.com. We'll link it to this this camera bag review. Uh, but your videos are always shot so well, man. I love. Hey, thanks. Thank you. Yeah, I guess they better be if you're teaching this stuff. But they just they just look good. I mean, very very well done. Yeah, that was a fun one to do. Although, you know, I think camera bags are not the most sexy item that you know people want to actually watch, but. Uh, I think uh, I think a lot of people actually enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's good stuff. All right. Um, here we go. Okay, so my pick of the week is a service called If This Then That. Have you guys heard of that? Yes, mm-hmm. it's very cool. Okay, it's just we've got a weird URL. It's ifttt.com or if this then that or just Google if this then that. Um, but what it is, it's a cloud-based service. Cloud-based meaning it lives on the server. But what it does is you can hook up services to it to do rules on them. Like you could say if 
you know, you log in and build this if then then that sort of flow, and you can say if the words Canon 5D show up on Craigslist, then email me. Or you could say, if I post an image to my Instagram feed, then copy it to my Dropbox. And then you can do compound rules like that, too. You could say, if this happens over here, then make that happen over there. And if that happens over there, make this happen, too. So you can build these really complex rules that all just happen automatically in the sky to do really cool things with the social networks and the networks that you already belong to. And it's free. So... I don't know, Ron, have you played with it at all? Yeah, I played with it a little bit. It it is. It's sort of like, you know, automating it's an automator for the web or a way of scripting the web where you just have all and, and there's a it supports a lot of services. You know, you can uh, a, a lot of different conditions that you can come up with. I, I think every time I play with it I sort of feel like, man, there's something amazing that I'm gonna be able to do with this, but I haven't quite come up with what that amazing thing is. But it's pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah, it is pretty cool. I heard about it. Um you know, on this other podcast that I listened to, and they were talking about ways that you can tie it into the physical world using some Griffin technology that's out there that allows you to control lamps and essentially to have an mm-hmm. on-off switch for lamps that are recognized by your network. Because once you then let your lamp be recognized by the network, you can do all kinds of things with if, then, then that. So you could say, if... It's dark outside, and of course the internet knows when it gets dark, you know, in a certain time of the world, and that changes all the time, right? So you can say, when it gets dark, turn this light on, or they've got sensors for that for um, motion detectors. So you could say, if this motion detector gets tripped, then email me or send me a text message. (laughs) It just it just goes on and on and on the kind of things that you could do, like if yeah. If no, I mean, Ron like, Brinkman posts a personal ad on on uh, <laughs> Craigslist, then email a joke to him. You know, yes. <laughs> kind of uh, exactly. You know, if uh, you know if if uh, a certain team wins uh, wins a certain game, then start the blender with the uh, daiquiri. <laughs> <in it, you laughs> <know? laughs> exactly, exactly. It just it, the mind boggles because once you release these kind of rules. Um, from a, a computer, you could do this with Automator, but it's tied to your computer. When you release it into the cloud, then this stuff can just happen in the background all the time. It just sort of makes your mind boggle as to what you could do. So definitely check it out. It said if then then that or ifttt dot com. All right, folks, it is time to end the show. This is the this is the end of another episode of this week in photo. Doug K. Where would you like folks to go to uh, keep up with you and all the things you have going on? Go to DougK.com. You can find my blog there also. And uh, if you're curious about the saga of the D800 autofocus problem, you'll find that. And uh, I'm always on Google+. Plus. I am, I'm going to Instapaper that and read it later. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. All right, Mr. Ron Brinkman, where are you at online? Uh, I'm still on Twitter at Ron Brinkman, and I have a new blog called Vision Plus Blog that I mentioned. That's just sort of a collection of links and very short commentary on things related have to. You, have you been posted on that blog since last I, week? I have. I've posted. You know, I'm, I'm. I think I've sort of settled into doing a twice a week kind of a, a link dump. So Sundays and Wednesdays, uh, just you know, like three or four little links and quick commentary, and they're all kind of targeted at where's the. Where's the future of things that are photography and camera and optics related? Where's all this kind of going? Yeah, one day you should you should uh, consult with Steve Simon because I think he's still trying to get his blog. <laughs> <laughs> it's been only it's only been three years. So. Excellent. <laughs> all right, and Mr. Dave Dugdale, where are you at? 
Um, LearningDSLRvideo.com. You can find my Twitter, Google+, Facebook, all that stuff on the sidebar. That's pretty much it. LearningDSLRvideo.com. Perfect. All right, thanks, guys. And uh, listeners, if you'd like to keep up with everything in the TWIP universe, you can check us out at ThisWeekInPhoto.com. Also, please remember to support the show by leaving us a comment on iTunes. Um, we love constructive criticism or accolades, whichever you feel like leaving. And speaking of iTunes, be sure to check us out or check out the Twit Podcast app. It's a cool and handy way to keep up with our shows instantly as soon as they are released. And finally, if you're looking for me, Frederick Van Johnson, you can find me at frederickvan.com. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap off. <laughs> This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production, produced by Suzanne Llewellyn, with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar. <laughs>